0: Before we start our episode, we want to welcome Middle Sister Wines as our happy hour sponsor. Did you know that birth order is commonly believed to have a profound and lasting effect on psychological development, and that the Middle Sister has a greater chance of having a wine named just for her? Well, welcome to the world of Middle Sister, sassy wines for Middle Sisters and everybody who loves them which includes the Three Tomatoes. We've been fans for years of their delicious whites like Drama Queen Pinot Grigio, but we confess we're slightly partial to Rebel Red and her sassy remarks like, if anyone tells you they don't like red wine, stop talking to them. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. They're more than just a wine. They're a family of sisters you're gonna love. Learn more at Middlesisterwines.com. And now we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Cheryl Benton, and if you sometimes feel like you're drowning in stuff, you're going to love our guest today. He has been dubbed the most organized man in the world. Andrew Mellon is an organizational expert, public speaker, and the number one best-selling author of Unstuff Your Life. He's helped over a hundred thousand people and businesses worldwide to declutter and simplify their lives while regaining time for the things that actually matter and we had the pleasure of having him as one of our speakers at our renewal summit this past weekend he's a dynamo and we're so excited to have him with us today so andrew welcome to happy hour podcast
1: thank you cheryl it's great to be here with you and all the listeners thanks for having me
0: Oh and I know that we're going to make everyone out there who is very frustrated with too much clutter and stuff in their lives very happy today. So you have a, such an interesting background. You you are an award-winning playwright. You've been an actor, a producer and a director. So how did you go from that to becoming the most organized <laughs> man in America?
1: <laughs> uh, oh, it's a great question. So in 1996, I uh, left a theater in Seattle, Washington, and I came back east to uh, Washington, D.C., where I had a gig co-producing an award ceremony at the Kennedy Center. One of our awardees was a Nobel Peace Prize winner here in New York, and I came to his office to get some photographs so I could create a slideshow for when he came to get his award. And when I got to his office, the photographs were a mess. They were misfiled, mislabeled, some had been lent out and never returned, and it took me several hours pulling everything together so that i could create this slideshow and in the process of doing that he and his wife said would you like the job of organizing our photographs for us because clearly they're a mess and we need some help and i thought oh my god this is an amazing honor this nobel peace prize winner it's, he's a what a what a what a privilege it would be to do this work for him yes. i said of course i would love to do that so we made a date for me to go to work Uh, which happened to be December 20th, 1996. The day before I was supposed to go to work, their assistant called up and said, something unexpected has happened. They need to travel and uh, we'll reschedule for a month later. So we made a date for January. And this happened three times. They kept rescheduling, rescheduling, rescheduling. And the last time they reached out to me, which was, I think, in March, they said, when we're ready to proceed, we'll get back in touch with you. So in fact, I never went to work for them. But in those four months, I know it's crazy. In those four months, I told every living soul that I met, I got this amazing gig. I'm going to create a comprehensive (laughs) photographic archive for a Nobel Peace Prize winner. So then a friend referred me to an accountant who needed a filing system. I built that filing system for her. And she worked primarily with performing artists who traveled internationally and also throughout the United States. And so she needed a very robust filing system because anytime anybody is in another jurisdiction, they have to file an a non-resident, you know, part-time uh, return, so it's not just like they're filing in their home state, they're filing in all of these other jurisdictions. So she needed a very robust filing system to be able to support her clients. And I built it for her, and it was great, and she did, you know, she, it was useful for her, and so she started referring me to clients of hers. And people would show up on my doorstep literally with a duffel bag full of receipts saying, I haven't filed my taxes in five years. I'm getting letters from the IRS. I am freaked out. I don't want to go to jail. What can you do to help me? Oh, my gosh. Yes, exactly. So I would put everything into QuickBooks. I'd give it back to the accountant. The accountant would file their taxes, and these people would think, oh, my God, you are amazing. You saved my life. And they would tell all their friends this. They would say, you'll never believe what this guy did for me. I showed up. I was a hot mess. I had crazy, chaotic paperwork. He made sense out of it. He turned it into something that the accountant could work with. She filed my taxes. I'm not going to jail. I'm, you know, I'm getting caught up with the IRS and life is great. And their friends would say, who is this guy? I need somebody just like that. And that's how my business began. I was still working freelance in the theater. I was working downtown here in New York at New York Theatre Workshop. I was running a writer's reading series at Dixon Place and, uh, you know, doing freelance sure. producing and directing as well. A play of mine was produced at Ensemble Studio Theater. But this work just kept coming and coming and coming. And I could see that I was having a serious impact on people, which was why I was doing theater in the first place. I mean, I, I, with, no, with no judgment or spin on entertainment or musical theater or anything like that. I mean, the work that I was interested in was always a little more aggressive and thought provoking, hopefully. And so I, I discovered just in that way that we sometimes, something happens and we, we, there's an aha moment, that what I, what I was doing in a dark room for two hours in an evening, I was able to affect in people's lives individually through the work that I was doing. I was uh, in a combination of directing and coaching them and collaborating with them, I was shifting how they were looking at the choices they were making around stuff and how they were spending their time living their lives and that was what I was trying to do in the theater anyway so it it, it was a it was a surprising very surprising transition for me i never thought that this is what i would be doing full time but it was a it was a big aha moment for me and it was a big it was one of those yeses that when it happens, you think I should pay attention to this. This is something's being presented to me. And if I ignore this, I will be uh, possibly missing an opportunity that doesn't come often. even though it's uncertain what the opportunity is, right? You, you say yes, and you don't really know where you're going, but it, it felt like yes was more important than no in that moment.
0: That is that's such a great story, Andrew. And it's such there's such a big lesson there about, you know, listening to what's going on and saying yes. And I love that, you know, it was what you had been doing is actually connected with what you are doing, too. So I have to ask you if. You were always organized. I mean, I asked if it's in the DNA, and I ask this because I have two grandsons, and they're kind of like Oscar and Felix, and they unfortunately unfortunately have to share a bedroom. So the little Oscar has his stuff all over the place, and the Felix grandson, honestly, he has always been organized. He's now 13, but when he, he was about seven, he reorganized all of his clothes in his draws and actually labeled all of his draws of what was in it. So he's our little Mr. Organizer. So were you like that as a kid? Is it in your DNA?
1: Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> not to disappoint the listeners, but, uh, what I, what I have discovered after, you know, over the last 23 plus years of doing this work is that now your, your grandson sounds a bit like an outlier in the sense <laughs> that, you know, he, there might be some, There might be a little OCD there. There might be something that is extra special about him. Uh, And I don't know. I mean, I don't know him. But I think what I've discovered about the average person is that we are organized about the things that are in alignment with our values when we are conscious and we're aware. If we're not conscious, if we're not aware, then there's no consistency or guarantee. So what I was organized about as a child was my baseball card collection, Right. And my matchbox car collection, because those were the things that actually mattered to me. You can't trade baseball cards if you don't know what you have. There's, it's, it's, yes. While you're collecting them, you also need to know, oh, I'm missing, I'm missing this player or I'm missing these, you know, these people from this team. So it, it's, in, it's part of the experience to be somewhat organized. You're not just throwing them in a shoebox and not looking at them. And the same thing with the matchbox cars. For me, I used to keep all the emergency vehicles together, or I would keep all of the cars that had operational doors or trunks or, yes. or hoods Makes together, sense. Yeah. because that was part of how I played with them and interacted with them. My clothes, I would drop those on the floor <laughs> and My mother would give me grief about putting them down the laundry chute, and then magically they would be clean and back in my closet within a matter of days. And clearly there was a fairy in the house that did laundry because I had no relationship to it at all because it didn't matter to me.
0: Right. Well, I do want to I want to talk about the collection things in a a little bit, because I think that's such an important, important thing. And I think you're giving hope to all of us, uh, all the Oscars out there, too. But let's just start with the whole concept of clutter. How the heck did we get here? Why do we all have too much stuff? And we're not talking about. Hoarders or the people who really do have some psychological issues around things. We're talking about everyday you
1: people. Have, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, we have too much stuff. Yes, stuff. Right. So I define clutter as deferred decisions, and it really is that simple. It's the it's whatever it is. It's that thing that you set down on your kitchen counter or on your coffee table, on your bedside table, on the floor, the back seat of your car, doesn't matter where it is, on your desk, you set it down and you tell yourself one of your 200 lies. There's a statistic that says the average adult tells 200 lies a day. And we talked about this on Saturday. Two thirds of them are never uttered. Two thirds of them you say to yourself, but a a good third of them actually do come out of your mouth and are directed at somebody. We, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole around the, the, the statistic. I'm happy to share it with you so you can post it up on the, on the website. Yeah, for folks okay. if You want That's to follow great. up on that. But if, if you just take my word for it, that the average adult will tell 200 lies a day. One of those lies that we often tell ourselves is that I will put this away later. Yes. And you mean it when you say it, you don't think you're lying to yourself or to anybody who's listening. You have every intention of doing it, but later never arrives. so, You just set it down and then you set down something else on top of it and you even tell yourself possibly another one of your 200 lies, which is like, I think I'm going to put them both away at the same time. They're going to the same place. I'm going to make a little Guilty. pile of them because they all are going to the same place. So this is actually a good strategic choice for me. I don't need to get up and go do it now. I'll do it later. And I'll actually make a little pile or a little nest of them and then process through all of it when I have, I'm making air quotes now, which your readers, your, your yes. listeners can't see, but when I have more time, which is another one of your 200 lies, because you're never going to have more time than you have right now. That's, I've, I've worked with people who are 95 years old, they've been retired for 25 years. They don't have any more time than anybody who's a busy working mom or dad or not a parent and just busy, right? Busy is the new normal. So this idea that at some point you're going to win the time lottery and get a bunch of free unstructured time to clean up your mess is, a, is another one of your 200 lies.
0: I love that. I love the concept of the time lottery. So, that's that's a great and I'm guilty of all those things and I'm sure a lot of people listening out there are too. So, I'm going to think about those lies I'm telling myself all throughout yeah. the day today. So, I let's talk a little bit about the things that we seem to form attachments to and that a lot of us have trouble getting rid of. So I'm going to give you an example from my. because sure. now that I have you, I need you to help me with this, actually. Of course. So for many years when I, I, I did a lot of traveling and somewhere along the line, I just, I bought a bell from some city. Mm -hmm. And then someone saw that on my desk, and then they gave me a bell from a city. So before I knew it, every time I would travel around wherever I was around the world in the US, I'd buy a bell, and it was usually a tacky little airport bell, too. I mean, once in a while, it would be a nice bell from someplace. Jackie bells. Such a
1: familiar story. Yeah.
0: And then I had them and I would put them in the credenza in the living room. And before I knew it, like bells were in back of bells and they had to be dusted. It was ridiculous. So then we bought a new credenza. So I had to clean out the credenza. And when it came back to putting things in, I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I can't put all these bells back in here. I'll figure out something to do with them. So I put them in a box for safekeeping in Mm -hmm. my basement. Okay. That was 10 years (laughs) ago. Uh Those bells are still there. Recently, I actually did a pretty major cleanup in the basement and I got to that box and I'm like, I I don't know what to do with these, but there's a part of me that just didn't, I didn't want to throw them in the garbage and I'm like, nobody's going to want them. So what is this all about? And is this a weird thing or does this happen to everyone?
1: It happens to everyone. It's not a weird thing. You are completely normal, <laughs> and you have my permission to release the bells back into the universe. You Thank do not God. need to hold on to the bells. Uh, the bells are no longer significant or matter to you. I mean, it's questionable how much they mattered to you as, in the first place, because again, it was a, it was a happenstance collection. It wasn't. It started uh, with one bell that was properly curated, and then it grew to be a, a random assortment of bells that were not all properly curated, right, as you, as you shared yes, with us. correct. Some of them you just grabbed at an airport just because it was like, oh, let me just get a bell, right? No more thought into it than that, and you just pick either the bell you liked the most or the one that was the least offensive, and that became the next bell. So that's the, that's the micro part of it in the sense that the macro is – it, it doesn't serve you. They're not in line with your value. Whether anybody else wants them or not is really not your concern. The next home for the Bells is just not yours. So you can take them to Housing Works here in New York. You can take them to a, a, a secondhand store, uh, any sort of a thrift store where you live If you if you don't live in Manhattan. Uh, And you can easily, somebody will want those bells, whether they want them as a collection or they just want one of them. It doesn't really matter. You're certainly not obligated to hold on to them. And I understand the compression, that, that sense of oh, well, what do, I, you know, what do I do with them? I, I don't want to just throw them in the garbage. And I believe me, landfill is the last place I want anything to end up. Anything that still has utility should be recycled or repurposed in some way. And somebody wants that bell. Somebody wants a bell. Somebody might want three bells. So you don't have to worry about where they're going to end up in the sense of you don't need to find Susie and give the bell collection to Susie, you know, our imaginary friend Susie. You just need to get them out of your house is all you need right. to do.
0: Well, you know, that's a great point. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit later because one of the big issues, I think, when you do start to declutter is what do you do with the stuff? But yep. before we get to that, and I'm sure you have some great ideas and, you know, I don't want to do a garage sale or all that stuff. So no, of course not. Yeah, we could get to that, I'm sure. But let's, let's go back to start with how do we start the process of decluttering because it can really, really be overwhelming. I know I, after hearing you Saturday, I came over and looked around my house because sometimes you don't even notice it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get rid of stuff. So how do we do that? How do we
1: start? I'm going to say there's always two places to begin. If you're feeling really fierce and strong, I say go to the place that causes you the most pain and grief and dig in there because you're going to get the biggest win there. If you are feeling tender and a little vulnerable, I say go for a quick win. And so just move something off of a surface. You don't have to go to the sad, scary corner of the basement. You can just go to your kitchen counter and find one thing that you are finished with that you can let go of. Failure breeds failure, success breeds success. So we just need any momentum going in the direction we wanna be going in. And you'll build on that so to to recap, go to the place where the most upset is if you are feeling strong and ready to take something on. Another major tip is that instead of saying to yourself, I'm going to work on this until I'm finished, which is completely arbitrary and a narrative goal, which doesn't serve us. I encourage everybody when you start to declutter to actually create Mass goals for yourself, meaning I will work on this for 30 minutes and you will set a timer for 30 minutes. Because when the timer goes off, if you're still working, you've done what you said you did. And as I said, failure breeds failure, success breeds success. If the timer goes off, ding, 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 and you've successfully worked for 30 minutes because that's what you allotted, you now feel like, oh, I can do this. Look, I didn't think I was going to make it five minutes. I made it 30 minutes. I'm going to set the timer for another 15 minutes and do another 15 minutes. Instead of saying, I'm going to work on this until I'm finished, when we don't know what finished really means, that often sets us up for failure because we try to do something we don't succeed because we didn't have a clear defined goal we just had this arbitrary narrative goal of finished we didn't finish and that perpetuates those stories that we tell ourselves that says, oh, see, somehow there's something fundamentally wrong with me. I'm not capable of getting organized, or this is too much for me, or I can't figure it out, which is all a load of crap. Of course you can. Anybody who's listening to this podcast is accomplished enough that they can get organized. This is not rocket science. It's, it's managing your feelings enough to be able to do the task. That's it.
0: You know, that's going to, you just made everyone feel so much better out there who's ever tried to do things because, and, and doing things in the small blocks, because as we know, there's this, you know, this other method of organizing, we won't mention what it is, but it has to do with <laughs> taking everything out and looking at it. And that to me is such an overwhelming process. And I think it is for so many people. It's like, you just don't even know where you would begin to do that sometimes. Sure. And I know this works, as I what you just said, because I actually um, tried this about a month ago. I have I get a lot of products because of the three tomatoes. I get beauty sure. products and this and that. And I have this big cabinet in my bathroom that <laughs> they've all ended up being jammed in there. I mean, I actually people come to my house and they sort of shop from that. Cabinet. Of course. But it got to the point where I I couldn't find anything. And it was every time I went into my bathroom, it was it was overwhelming me. And the thought of doing that all at one time was overwhelming. So one day I just said, you know what, I'm going to start with one shelf. And I got a garbage bag and I got some boxes and the things I was going to keep, I put in the box. And every day I did one shelf. And by the end of the week, I had everything back organized. And I feel so much better when I go in that bathroom now. And it, and it wasn't overwhelming, to your point. I probably spent 30 minutes a day doing it. So. Exactly. Awesome advice. Awesome Thank advice. you. So tell us what some of the benefits are of being free from clutter. I mean, aside from having
1: the stuff there. Right. Well, I think freedom is one of the essential takeaways. And I want to be really clear with the listeners that... The goal is not just organization that is uh that is not the cash and prizes setting yourself free from these one-sided relationships with objects that are sucking your time your energy your concentration and pulling your focus away from the things that actually matter nobody gets to the end of this experience and thinks god i just wish i had 15 more minutes to rearrange the inside of my cupboard or my closet that is not going to be your deathbed wish you're going to say i wish i had 15 more minutes to play with my grandkids or i wish i had 15 more minutes to have an ice cream cone or 15 more more minutes to volunteer at the synagogue or the or the church or 15 minutes more to take a trip with somebody I love, or 15 more minutes to listen to a symphony or anything. But it's not going to be, I wish I had 15 more minutes with my shoes to put them in proper order. <laughs> right. So let's be clear that the whole point of getting organized is to be done with these material objects and to start to live a life of meaning in alignment with your values. And of course, I'm not saying that people are not currently living lives of meaning, but all of those deferred dreams, all of those someday and later plans that you have, those suddenly become immediately available to you. Once you get and stay organized, your entire life opens up in a way that you cannot even imagine. Whatever I'm saying and you're hearing right now, it it pales in comparison to the reality of you finally have the opportunity to do anything you want with this time because you're not spending it looking for your car keys or your mobile phone or your wallet or your bag or that flathead screwdriver, it doesn't matter. You're no longer looking for things. The average person will waste one year of their life looking for lost and misplaced items. Wow. So I want to help people to, to circumvent that statistic as quickly as possible, because we don't know when we're going to leave. And it would be a shame for you to get to the end of the experience and think, this is not how I wanted it to end. I want more time, right? So, I mean, I can't, I can't, give you more time in the macro sense because I'm not God. So I can't do that for you, but what I can certainly do is help you in the moment to make every moment as meaningful and available to you as possible by encouraging you to be mindful, to be aware, to be present in the moment and to know where your stuff is because it's all there to support you in living your life, not to become the meat of your life. So,
0: so, well, I, I, I love that and that's, you know, getting more time in our lives, it, it should be a huge incentive for helping one us would all hope. to, yeah, we would hope so. So, let's say we've gotten rid of this stuff, but how do we keep it that way? I mean, I've organized many things many times and then they always end up that way a few months later. So, how do we stay Right. Organized? So, let's go
1: over the organizational triangle, which I, I shared with everybody on yes. Saturday. It was so, great. One home for everything, like with like, and something in, something out. And you can go to my YouTube channel and you can, I mean, they're short videos. They're 30-second long videos. But I will explain to everybody, the organizational triangle is literally those three rules. And that's all you need to know to get and stay organized. The first two legs of the triangle, one home for everything and like with like, are the tools that we use to get organized. One home for everything means everything has one home, only one home. So where your keys live are where your keys live. They don't have to be where my keys live, but your keys have a home. If they're in their home, you'll, you'll always be able to find them in 30 seconds or less, and they'll only ever be one of two places, in your hand unlocking something or in their home. If you apply that rule and like with like, which means all like objects live together, not most of them, but all of them, so you're no longer splitting clumps of similar things apart, Because that's another way that we can't easily find things. If you have the office supplies in four different locations, you'll be searching in four different locations for a paperclip or the stapler or the staple remover. Instead of if you have them all together, you only only have to go one place, one home for everything, and all like objects are there. It cures 90% of your disorganization right there. The third leg of the triangle, something in, something out, is how we stay organized because once we have enough of everything and we've identified it and it is in their homes, we no longer need to be accumulating things. So all of the time that we spend mindlessly shopping or bringing things home that we don't need is eliminated and that time is now freed up for other things. So if you've determined – and look, there are no rules that say – you're only allowed to have 12 pairs of shoes or four hats or three sweaters, you can have as much stuff as will easily fit in your spaces. If you live in a 4,000 square foot house and you have an 800 square foot walk-in closet and you have room for 150 pairs of shoes, you may have 150 pairs of shoes. Oh, you I just not... made
0: a lot of women very happy with yeah. that.
1: I'm <laughs> not gonna tell you that you can only have 12 pairs of shoes. If, if you have room for 150 pairs, have 150 pairs. This is the catch. If 150 pairs of shoes is what you've determined is enough shoes for you to feel happy and satisfied, when you buy the 151st pair, it's because you're ready to retire one of the first 150. And that way, you will never accumulate more than you have room for because you're just swapping things out. There's no need to accumulate. It's you've determined that this is a perfect toaster. This is a perfect blender. This is a perfect sweater. This is a perfect pair of shoes. This is a perfect car. This is a perfect book. This is a perfect vase. You don't need a new vase unless you're ready to let go of the old vase. It makes it very simple. And again, going back to living in alignment with our values, in the big scheme of things, if you only have 15 minutes left, do you want to spend it shopping for a vase or do you want to spend it in an intimate relationship with somebody that you love or an experience that you love? It's that simple. We will tell ourselves one of our 200 lies. I will make up this time later. It's not that important, right? I, these five minutes or those 10 minutes, I'm going to make up that time at another time, not now. And it's, it's a tragedy because I, that's what I call nickel and diming ourselves out of a year of our life, because those five minutes and those 10 minutes add up. We tell ourselves that they're negligible, but it is one of the 200 lies. Those five minutes do add up and they are significant. So do not minimize that. You know, don't be that that saying has been around for right. a long time, right? Yes. wise, pound foolish. Don't be don't be foolish about the five minutes and think, oh, I've got my eye. You know, like I would never waste a year of my life but you're frittering away 5 minutes here and 10 minutes there cuz that's how you get to a year of your life.
0: Yes, and it's looking at it a different way now. I think you've helped a lot of us with that. We yeah. we have a few minutes left and I would love it to ask you if we can if your principles can be applied to our digital lives? I mean, I know we're all overwhelmed with emails. I know I am every day. And oh my gosh, all those photos we all have sitting on our cell phones that we never look at. What's your advice there? And do these principles apply to to the
1: digital world too? They most definitely do apply to the digital world. And your digital world should be a mirror of your analog world. So if... If you have a paper filing system, your digital filing system should mimic it so that if you call it auto in your paper world, you should call it auto in your digital world. Don't call it car in your digital world and auto in your paper world, and then you'll have two competing filing systems. So you wanna make sure that whatever lexicon you use for filing names, whatever conventions you use for filing names, those are consistent in your paper world and in your digital world. Same thing with photographs, there's no, just because, you know, when we used to have cameras with film, we would get 24 or 36 pictures back and we would keep them in the sleeve and we would keep all of them, even if there were only four good photos, right? Well, we don't want to break apart the set because that was, that was the memory was I took all 36 of these photos, but 30 of them sucked and only right. six of them were good right but we had we had a story in one of our 200 lies that we couldn't possibly break up the set the set there is no set that just happened to be if the if film was unlimited like it is today because it's a digital chip you would have taken far more than 36 pictures but you were bound to only take 36 pictures so it's an artificial boundary that that Kodak and other film manufacturers created for us because that's what would fit on a spool of of film. You only need to keep the images that actually matter to you. So you should always be curating and going through the take as many pictures as you want then budget 15 minutes to sit down and look at them and throw away all the ones where you have food on your face or on your blouse or where you're blurry or somebody's head is cut off that's never they're never going to become less blurry nobody's head is ever going to come back (laughs) into focus You, you it is the photo that you took throw it away it's not a good photo you don't need to keep it just because you took it Well, that's,
0: yeah, that's great advice because usually what we do, we'll take, we'll pick the best one, throw it up on Facebook or Instagram or something, and then never get rid of all the the other other
1: ones. ones. Yeah. But that's the one that you wanted. You, You just, you need to finish the task, right? So another example that I give people all the time is that the end of doing the laundry is not a basket of clean clothes on your bedroom floor. The end of the task of doing the laundry is when the basket's empty back on top of the dryer and all your clothes have been put away. That's the full task. So, If you apply that to every task that you do, that idea of, I want an empty laundry basket, I want to finish the task, I want to put the laundry away. So the end of going through the photographs is having the ones that you like and throwing the other ones in the garbage, not just cherry picking the ones you like and then leaving the ones for, again, I'm making air quotes, later to throw them away because there is no later and then you're going to end up with 70,000 photos on your phone 12 of which you'll share with people and as you're trying to flip through the album to show the people your grandkids or your trip to Spain or whatever, you know, the cherry pie that you made last weekend that you're so proud of from scratch, whatever it is that you want to show people, you have to go through all the garbage to get to it. Just get rid of the garbage. There's no reason to hold on to it. This
0: has been this has been so fantastic, Andrew. You you personally helped me, and I know everybody's listening to this, and now I know how you've helped so many people around <laughs> the world. You're you're just you're just simply amazing. So two things. One is is there um someplace on your website where you have a list of how you know where to donate things or get rid of stuff i know that's a big issue with people
1: i have several blog posts so if you go to andrewmellon.com M E L L E N andrewmellon, m-e-l-l-e-n.com and you go to my blog there are several blog posts that i've put up uh for folks around jewelry uh clothing uh books and and furniture so if you're looking to find secondary markets for these kinds of things you'll find those blog posts there there's a ton of information on my website Uh, i have a very robust youtube channel with well i mean my videos have been viewed i think probably six or 700,000 times. I've got over 8,000 subscribers right now at YouTube. So I encourage your listeners to subscribe at YouTube. They'll find lots of great content there. Right now we're running a spring cleaning challenge, a four day video spring cleaning challenge in this exact moment for the next month or so. So it's a free course that they can take. Uh, When they sign up, they get a spring cleaning checklist. So if anybody's eager and ready to do some spring cleaning, now's the perfect time. And uh... and otherwise you can certainly if you go to my website and you go to the for audible listeners page which you'll find in the footer on my website for audible listeners because my book on stuff your life is available through audible so if you want to listen to it if you don't if you're not somebody who likes to read books necessarily but you do like to listen to audiobooks you can get a copy of the audiobook at audible and uh, all of the worksheets that are in the paper book are available on my website so you can download those all there and work through those. There's lots of resources at uh, andrewmellon.com.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. And we will make sure that we put links to, uh, to all the things that you mentioned too. So at our website as well, so that everybody can find it. So Andrew, it has been a pleasure. We're going to have to have you back again. Cause I have a feeling we've only just kind of touched <laughs> the surface of stuff. Exactly. But thank you for motivating us all today and uh, have a fabulous organized day.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you.